Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. Non-negotiables of our faith. And this is a very significant series. Last year we went through our core values, the things that we as a congregation hold true and kind of values that steer us. But this is more about our core doctrine, uh, what we believe and why we believe it. So it's actually March and uh, April uh, that we're going to be talking through this. I had such a funny thing with computers. Computers and clickers don't like me, I'm telling you. This is so funny. It's like the, the most basic piece of technology in the room, okay? I have the same problem up in Kalamazoo. It's, I actually think there's some kind of magnetic field or something. <laughs> is it today the first day of spring? Yeah. What does that have to do with the clicker? All right, so I'll just hit the screen here. Now I got it. I'm going to pull this cord a little bit, and we'll do this. See, we have many ways. Woo, wobbly pulpit. All right, so it's the non-negotiable series about our core values. Well, that's just crazy. See, let's see. Now, see, it's not the clicker. Oh, it's just slow. All right. <clears throat> okay, so it's based on the um, Nicene Creed. And this is a, a, a um, the written down statement of faith that has been generally agreed upon by churches throughout many, many generations. Actually written in 325 A.D. And it was based on an earlier version called the Apostles' Creed that no one knows when that was written. But the tradition is that it was written by the apostles themselves. That's why it's called the Apostles' Creed. And it's very, very likely that could be true. <clears throat> it goes back to the first century. So the creed, the statement of faith, shaped Christianity. It shaped civilizations. Do you realize, you know, when the Roman Empire embraced Christianity as the, as a, accepted Christianity and eventually embraced it as a, as a rule of faith and then the, all of Western civilization, Europe, America, you know, shaped by the Christian faith, shaped by this creed. And it shapes individual lives as well. Alright? And when we understand these truths, it can shape us. It can affect not only how we think, but then how we behave. And so the creed is meant to shape us. In order to do that, we need to understand it. We need to understand what it means, why it's important, and need to understand how it should shape our lives. And so that's kind of how I'm... Uh, eh, I see the clicker's working out. <clears throat> that's how I'm going through each statement of the creed, asking what does it mean, why it's important, and how it should shape our lives. Last week, uh, Graham talked about um, 
the uh, Jesus being God. And um, next week, uh, Kathy Spaulding is going to be here talking about Jesus's death. And so each of us, you know, like I said earlier, we bring a little bit different perspective. But the, the ultimate goal is that we we understand what this statement means. So we read the statement or confess it each month when we take communion. And I've often thought, wow, I wonder if people know what this means. So in each phrase in this uh, in this creed is this revolutionary. Right? But because we've grown up in a Christianized nation, we don't realize the impact of it. But these truths have changed the world, changed lives, and we want them to change us. And so today, that part I'm talking about is why did Jesus come? And uh, first we're going <clears> to... <throat> Uh, read through the creed. Can you all see that? Is that big enough for you? Yeah. Was that an amen? Alright. <laughs> you guys need coffee this morning? <laughs> Let's just say this out loud. You don't need to stand up. So, uh, ready? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made. Now this next part is what I'm going to talk about today. So let's read that. For us and for our salvation, He came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, He rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of the Father. He shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and Giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. We believe in one holy, universal, and apostolic church, We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen! Well, if you said that and you've never said that before, you just became a Christian. (laughs) That's the statement of faith. If you believe it, uh, accept that. Uh, One thing uh, someone mentioned to me uh, last time I was down here, I had a the, the particular wording uh, varies a little bit because it wasn't written in English. In fact, when it was written, English didn't exist. <laughs> it was written in Latin, I believe, possibly Greek, and so it's translated. And I used the, the and for universal, you use the word Catholic. And someone said, well, we're you a Catholic church? <laughs> well, we're Catholic in the sense that Catholic means universal. Uh, and now, in our day, Catholic means a particular denomination. Happens to be the largest denomination. A billion people in the world consider themselves Catholic. <clears throat> so, but that just means universal, worldwide. Okay? Um, so let's jump into this. The section I'm going to be teaching through is for us and for our salvation. What does this mean? Uh, why did Jesus come? Title of the, today's message. Why did Jesus come? Well, it tells us real clear here. For us, and for our salvation. Okay? Jesus came for you. For me. 
for the person sitting next to you, for the person who lives in the house down the street from you. All right, He came for your friends, your family members. He also came for your enemy. All right, So those ISIS guys, Jesus died for them. He loves them as much as He loves you know, our little kids. Loves them as much as He loves the people they're killing. All right, Jesus came for humanity, for every man, woman, and child. Jesus did not have to do that. The Father did not have to send His only begotten Son. I'm going to introduce an idea that some people have a little problem with. But bear with me. If you think about it long enough, I think you'll agree. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? Well, in another place in Scripture, it says that God so loved the world. He was so in love with the mankind. He loved. And that was the motivation that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him, Jesus, should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Again, I'm not going through the creed to try to convince you it's true because uh, it's established as true. I'm going through it to try to explain what it means. And so we see these truths in Scripture. Why did God come? For, uh, oh, why did Jesus come? For us and for our salvation. Because God loved the world. That was His motivation. What, why is that important? Okay. Well, it reveals the character of God. You know, what is the purpose of life? Why do we have to go through the things that we go through? And I believe in all my heart that the primary purpose of life is so that you can get to know God. So you can come into relationship with the, with, with the Creator. Alright? So every aspect of life, challenges as well as blessings, are, are, are shaped to draw you into that relationship. And this about God reveals a humongous aspect of who God is. His character. God is not egocentric. Alright? This was not done for God's glory. And this is, this is the part that's a little bit of challenging. Because we have been so driven in church to do all for God's glory. You know? And the idea of, uh, glorifying God is, is really important. And it's emphasized the stress so much that, that what I've found that some people actually get caught up in a striving and a fear and a misunderstanding of God's motive. Okay? So, everything about God's glory is not for God's sake. Alright? Do you realize this? Okay? God did not come to earth to prove His glory. In the sense that He needed to have it proven. Alright? Wherever it talks about God doing anything for His glory, it was so that men and women, the people that see His works, would be convinced. Would be drawn into relationship. It was for their sake, not for His sake. You see? Because if God hadn't come down for us and for our salvation, nothing would have changed for God. God would not be sad. Because He's joy. God would not lack something because He lacks, He, he is everything. You understand that? Right? He wouldn't have lost out 
He wouldn't have failed because he can't fail. Do you understand this? All right. He had nothing to lose. He didn't have to come. But because of our sake, he came. Uh, God is a lover. He so loved the world. He didn't do it to prove that he was glorious because all of creation already knew that. And he could have demonstrated his glory by just going and, and blowing away the whole universe. And all of the other spiritual beings that were not part of this creation would have went, wow. Alright? God is glorious. He's just and true. He is mercy and dearth forever. Nothing would have changed of God's character. But he said, I'm going to go the extra mile because that's who he is. I'm going to do whatever it takes to redeem this creation. Uh, so God's motivation is us. God's motivation is us and our salvation. How should this shape us? Well, it should change the way you view God. I had a person come up in Kalamazoo weeping and said that she had, uh, her whole Christian life was just, was lived under this burden that she had to glorify God to, to, to because she thought God needed it. And she just, she, she, you know, got the revelation of what I was trying to communicate that it's not because of God needs it, it's because we need it. All right. So we do all things for God's glory as a reflection of his nature who did everything he could for our sake. Does that make sense? Yes. So we're called to, to, to glorify God, not because God needs it, but because when we look at God, we see him doing all for our sake. All right. So when the Bible compares marriage to the relationship of Christ and the church, where Jesus gave his all for his bride's sake. And husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And wives, honor your husbands. You know, that 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 uh, uh, wives are the honor of the husbands, not because they need to be honored or else they'll be, uh, you know, uh, have a low self-image. Right? But it's because it, it is a healthy, wholesome relationship. And the husband looks at the wife to love on her and to give and to die for her. And the wife looks on the husband to, to love on him and to support and honor. And in that balance, that's a healthy relationship. Well, God created that relationship so that we would understand the relationship that he's called us into with him in heaven. All right? Uh, forever. <clears throat> And so it changes, this is, should shape us, so it should change the motivation uh, of, uh, when we see God's motivation clearly, it should change how we're motivated uh, to live for Christ and, the, and to serve others. It changes how we represent God to those around us. That He was willing to sacrifice all. It's no longer, you better be afraid because God's going to come and demonstrate His glory and He's going to you know, he's going to deal with all these sinners because he's going to establish his glory. Listen, everything about God establishing his glory is so that the person you're talking to and so that you and so every man, woman, and child can enter into that glory. All right? Now, those who choose not to will be destroyed by that glory. But God's motivation is to draw them in, to share that glory with them. <clears throat> so for us, for us, God is for you. God is for you. And the, the church fathers 1,700 years ago declared that. Okay? And the Apostles' Creed declares that. That they understood that the motivation was for us. He came down from heaven. Well, this, this means a lot. Uh, there's a lot in here 
Uh, Graham talked about that Jesus is God. It talks about uh, his pre-existing uh, before uh, conception. Jesus pre-existed as eternal God before he was conceived of the Virgin Mary. Um, <clears throat> and in every way, Jesus is equal with God. I'm not going to repeat all that because um, we all last week was all about that. Uh, John talks about this in, in chapter 3. It says, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And so this gives us a little understanding that it was clearly recognized right there in the context of God so loved the world that Jesus came down from heaven. Uh, it's a very important idea that we understand this. A couple of things that's important. One is that heaven and earth had been separated. And the reason for that was sin. Remember in the garden, God came down from heaven. God would walk in the garden with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. And there was open fellowship and communion between heaven and earth uh, because the mankind was, was pure and could be in God's presence without being destroyed. There was no impurity. But after sin, Adam and Eve were thrust out of the garden. And so there was a division between heaven and earth. All right, the curse came, and and then since then there were there were specific ways in which we can communicate and interact with heaven, but it wasn't this open uh, door policy, so to speak. All right, and so Jesus came down from heaven. He bridged <clears throat> uh, uh, that that gap that was created by the curse of sin was bridged by Jesus. This is very, very important to understand because most religions and unfortunately most Christians think Christianity teaches how humans uh, must ascend or reconnect to, to, to heaven. All right. Most religions teach, uh, you know, the lie that humans can find their way back to God if they fill in the blank. Right? If they memorize enough scriptures, if they pray the right prayer, if they don't do this and don't do that and do this and don't do that, if they, you know, for for Muslim, it's if they go to Mecca, if they do the Ramadan fast, if they pray five times a day facing uh, facing the east, Mecca, you know, they have to do all this stuff. If it's a Hindu, it's believing different things and offering sacrifices to various gods. And there's different. Uh, all religions have a different methodology that attempts to teach people how to get to heaven. All right? But Christianity isn't about that. Christianity is about heaven coming down to earth. All right? So that lie was the same lie that uh, that tricked Eve. You will be like God. Oh, this is how I get to be up. It's the same lie in the Tower of Babel. Let's build a building so we can reach heavens. All right? It's the same lie... That Lucifer believed. You read this in the Old Testament. It says, it's a quote, uh, it says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, uh, 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 referring to the enemy, the devil. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. And it goes on that he was going to take God's place. He thought he could do that. And that lie thrust him out of heaven. That lie, <coughs> you know, at the Tower of Babel broke, uh, humanity. That lie in the garden separated us from uh, God through sin. Jesus demonstrates that only God could bridge that separation between heaven and earth. That there was no way any human effort uh, could bridge that gap. 
So, how should this shape us? <clears throat> well, one, don't believe the lie. Alright? You can't save yourself. So that's true in the big picture, like whether you're going to die and go to heaven or not, but it's also true in the day-to-day struggles of life. You can't save yourself from the sin that's, that you're struggling with. God can. Jesus came down from heaven just for that. You can't save yourself from the broken relationship you may be in. Alright? Or the struggles of, of dealing with a, a, a spouse or a sibling or a parent or a child. You need a Savior. You need heaven to come down. Alright? Uh, believe the truth that Jesus bridged that chasm that separates us from heaven, from, from godliness, and that heaven is accessible. We can access heaven in Jesus Christ. And there's a scripture in Hebrews that talks specifically about this. It says, dear brothers and sisters, writer of Hebrews saying, hey guys, men and women, listen to this. We can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place. Wow. Now the writers, this was written to Jewish people as Hebrews, a letter written to the Hebrew people. And that when you say the holy place, they knew that only the high priest could enter into the holy place one time a year after lots of ceremonies and sacrifices. And even then it was like, we hope he comes back out. <laughs> you know, because yeah. it's God's presence in there. Right? But here it's saying radical. Every man, woman, and child, brothers and sisters, guess what? The, the veil's been torn open, right? By His death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Not just the temple holy place in in Jerusalem, but what that symbolized. And that is entering into heaven itself into the presence of God. Now, most Christians have this problem with the word heaven. Because they think heaven is where you go after you die. Right? Right? And that, that's partially true. Most uh, misunderstandings are based on truth. All right. So, <clears throat> when the Bible talks about heaven, most of the time it's not talking about after you're dead. Right? It's talking about right now. We can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. A new life-giving way. So, heaven is where God is. Alright? So we can enter into God's place. Once a year? Every day. In fact, we're supposed to live there. Supposed to live there. And if we live there now, when we wake up after that, that thing called death, we'll just be home. Right? <clears throat> it's not a place to visit. This begins right now. Alright, by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is also significant. Um, well, you know, you can teach a whole series in each one of these <laughs> points. So I'm just going to steam rolling through because I'm already late. <laughs> what does this mean? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit is equally involved with the incarnation. Incarnation is simply the word, big word. Now, you don't use incarnation when you go in the grocery store. You don't say, hey, do you have any incarnation? Carnation? Carnation belt? Yeah, that's an aisle eight. <clears throat> I'm talking about the incarnation. And that is simply a word that means taking on human, taking on flesh, coming in a human body. The Holy Spirit was equally involved as the Father and the Son in the act of incarnation. 
And we see incarnation actually foreshadowed in the creation story. And I think that, uh, as I've said many times, pretty much every significant truth um, in Christianity, you'll see a reference to or you'll see it foreshadowed in that creation story. That's why the creation story is so important is because it teaches us about the story. All right. And so remember in the story, the Spirit of God brooded or hovered over the face of the deep and all was formless and void and the Holy Spirit was, uh, was overshadowing the earth and God the Father spoke and that spoke and that when He said the Word, the Word of God is Jesus Christ. Right? John tells us Jesus is the Word and the Word became flesh. <clears throat> so you have the Father, the Word Jesus, and the Holy Spirit in creation bringing life out of uh, darkness and, and void and, uh, and disorder. And so that same foreshadowing, actually some of the same words are used, the Holy Spirit was active in forming Christ in Mary. All right, and we don't really know exactly how it happened, but the Bible says that the Holy, the, the power of the Almighty came upon Mary, and the Holy Spirit overshadowed her and formed in her Christ. And so uh, this is very important that the Holy Spirit is integral to salvation as well as recreation. Uh, That the Holy Spirit forms Christ in us. I believe that what happened to Mary, it actually certainly happened. And that miracle of most likely taking an egg from her and providing the genetic material uh, created by God to to form a new person, uh, a body, a physical body, a person, Jesus Christ, who then was the, the fully God and fully man in Mary. So now the Holy Spirit forms Christ in us. All right? And so what happened to Mary actually is to be reproduced in us. And the Holy Spirit is an integral part of this. How should this shape us? That the Holy Spirit should never be seen as something optional. Okay? Like the third wheel. <laughs> no, it's absolutely, the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. And we should seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, free in the Holy Spirit, because having the Holy Spirit is the only way to have Christ formed in us. You can memorize Scripture all day long. The man I met when I was in college who knew Scripture better than anyone I've ever met, he could quote it in every language. Every language. Like, I don't even know. I never figured out how many languages he knew. He didn't believe God. He believed, he knew all the stuff about God. But he just thought it was a philosophy. He didn't believe any of the miracles. It was a myth. That was crazy. <laughs> I was like, how could someone have so much biblical knowledge but not know the Bible? Because it's not about just information. It's about the Holy Spirit overshadowing you and doing a miracle inside. And getting pregnant with Jesus, <laughs> right? Christ birthed in us. Uh, uh, so, and that happens to the Holy Spirit. Uh, well, but it really happened. It was a historical fact. He was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. What does this mean? Well, the fact that uh, ever since the beginning, the confession of faith is dependent on uh, believing that Jesus was born of a virgin means that he, it's another. Uh, declaration that it wasn't just another man. A lot of religions believe Jesus was a good man. In fact, you'll be hard-pressed to find anybody in the world 
even historically, who will say that Jesus wasn't somebody special. Okay? <laughs> but Christianity says Jesus was God. The Messiah. He was born of a virgin. Not, not a normal conception. And he was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Um, <clears throat> Jesus is fully human uh, from the moment of his conception. Now what we need to emphasize here is to understand is that he experienced every aspect of what it means to be human. He didn't just come down as a human, as an adult, you know, ready to take over the world. He started like you started, totally dependent on a mom and, and a uterus, right? And a, an umbilical cord and a placenta, right? <laughs> and all that stuff. He, ex- he went through a birth canal. He went through the birth canal. He was God. And so, God experienced that. He experienced the human part of him being formed. Okay? I think this is amazing. It's the biggest miracle. The resurrection is not nearly as big as a miracle as the incarnation. Alright? But he's, what it means is that Jesus is not a spirit being or just a manifestation of God. Now listen, a lot of people in the world believe this. That Jesus was actually just this like alien that showed up. Uh, or some people believe that, um, some religions teach that um, Jesus was just a regular guy that God's spirit took over his body right, for a time. And actually some people believe that his spirit left the body right before the crucifixion because God can't die. But that's the main point of the story is that he took on humanity so that he could experience every aspect of humanity and die as a human, sinless, for our salvation. In Christ, God became man. That is the point of this. Uh, That's what it means. And it's a radical departure from uh, nearly every other faith in the world. I was in Morocco, northern Africa. It's a Muslim nation. It's a great story. I'm going to just whip through this really quick because it, it really illustrates this point. Um, we were in a square that can hold up to 10,000 10, uh, people every night. They have this giant party and there's food and people are all kinds of things, belly dancing. It was crazy. <clears throat> and we showed up and said, we're just going to pray and, and uh, sing songs. So half the team was, was singing a cappella songs and the rest of the other half was walking around them praying. And within minutes of them starting to sing, they, they had a crowd and it eventually got so big that our folks in the middle were afraid that they were going to get crushed because everybody was drawn to this. It was weird. And there was all kinds of entertainment, really good entertainment, going on in this outdoor square. I couldn't believe they were drawn to hearing this, the gospel being sung. Well, I was walking around praying for them. <clears throat> of course, it's a, it's a foreign nation. Everybody's talking different languages. So I talk out loud in tongues. Right? So, you know, thousands of people. I'm like, something's happening because there's hundreds of people listening to the gospel and they're being asked questions. So I'm getting excited. I'm praying. And this woman walks by and looks at me, looks again, because you know, nobody else could, could care. They didn't know what I was doing. I was just singing some song in some language. <clears throat> but she looked and she looked intently and she stopped. She walked up to me and she said, excuse me, sir. What language are you speaking? I said, well, <clears throat> uh, well, she said, I speak, I don't know, seven or eight languages. 
and I can't figure out what language you're speaking. And I looked at her and I said, <laughs> I was like, hey, it's kind of like chapter, this is like Acts, you know. <laughs> I was talking in tongues. They wanted to know what I was talking about. Uh, I said, well, I'm speaking a spiritual language. <clears throat> she said, oh, that's the best kind. And, and so we start talking. And, uh, and uh, I, I know Islam, and so I know what to get to the point to is that... Um, you know, she believed in Jesus. Jesus is a great teacher. And I said, well, I believe that Jesus is actually God. I believe that Jesus took on human form like we put on a coat. I said, uh, you know, if, you don't go outside without clothing so that you can interact with other people uh, appropriately. And so God had to interact with, with mankind. And so he put on humanity so that he could be one of us and we could interact. And when I said that, she went from a nice person to her eyes changed and she was mad and she said you uh blasphemer god would never defile himself and and do that and so that's the issue they think that it was a defilement to say that god became a human was a defilement because humans are wicked and evil and god is holy and pure okay i'm like that's actually making god too small and so Christianity says, no, God was so big that he could take on humanity. And rather than our, human, our dirtiness and sin defiling him, his righteousness and purity changes us to be righteous and pure. That's the, that's the thing. God invaded humanity to save us. Alright, this is important because it says in, in Philippians that though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges he didn't give up being divine. He just gave up the privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. So Jesus took it to the furthest extent, willing willing to die on the cross. And again, this tells us God's character, his nature, that his way to win is different than man's way. We assemble an army and demonstrate our power. God comes in utter weakness. And His weakness overcomes every power of man and every strategy of the enemy. Jesus, 100% God, 100% human. How does that work? I have no idea. But I believe it. I believe it. And that's what's important. Okay. Um, this should shape us because in the body of Jesus... God and man were reunited literally. Okay? That separation was repaired, restored. So we can believe that we can be fully united with God in Christ, in our bodies, right? And the whole of creation finds freedom and deliverance from the curse, the separation from God in Christ. It's the message of reconciliation. Uh, for God, uh, I love this, uh, Paul writing to the church, writing to people just like you, it says, for God wanted them, them being all of the uh, followers of God, all of the people, but also just everyone who, who, who desires to know. God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles uh, too. How many in this room are Gentile? Okay. Gentile how many are, are Jewish? Okay, so that means you're all Gentiles. Okay. Gentile is simply not the son of Abraham. I'm, I got a little Jewish in me, so I found out. Just I found that out last year. Uh, 
but just a teeny little bit. <laughs> I'm mostly Gentile. All right. Um, it says, and this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing in his glory or Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's this saying? <clears throat> okay. God is full. Uh, Jesus is fully God. And we live in Christ, but also Christ lives in us, in our physical body, redeeming, restoring. We're no longer separated. Christ is actually in us. God dwells in us. He took on human form. Incarnation is all throughout Scripture. Our God is not a God who's distant and disconnected. He's a God who's willing not only to get His hands dirty, but to come completely into the dirt to be submerged in it in order to grasp us and pull us out. Uh, that's what the incarnation is all about. It reveals God's character. So how should we respond? For us, for our salvation, He came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, He was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. We need to believe that God is for us. Uh, uh, for our salvation. We need to believe that Jesus is God. We need to believe that the Holy Spirit is essential and that Jesus is fully human and that all separation from God is healed in Christ. And take just a minute. If you could close your eyes. If you're anything like me, there's still a part of you that's not fully reconnected. Okay? And that's okay. Uh-huh. God's not done. And God wants to take that part. That Maybe it's a, a thought process. You get caught in a lie. Maybe it's a sin that you can't break free from. Maybe it's a fear. It's, maybe it's a physical disability or sickness. We all have parts that are separated from heaven. Because there's no sickness or disability in heaven. There's no fear in heaven. There's no lie in heaven. There's no sin in heaven. Jesus came and dwelt in a physical body, walked the earth, worked a job. He did everything that we did, connected with the Father 100%, 100% of the time. And He's now in you. And He wants to reconnect that parts that that are disconnected with heaven. And so if there's something specific that God's put on your mind, just think of that and hold it up before Him. Uh, if it helps, it helps me to reach out my hand. Or maybe your whole life is disconnected. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as Lord. You need to do that today. You need to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that I have been living disconnected from God, and I want to be reconnected. And you do that by... Believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. That Jesus is who He said. That He died for uh, you on, on the cross. And that God raised Him from the dead. And you need to do that by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And you can walk out of this room a new creation. Alright? Or maybe you've done that and, and you haven't been living it. And you need to recommit. Our prayer team is going to be up here on uh, my right. Uh, and they will pray with you to make that commitment or recommitment. Or if there's a healing need or a sin issue or a fear issue, or if you just want to get blessed, they're here to bless you. Heaven wants to be reproduced in your life. 
And Father, we just turn every one of these needs over to You. And Father, I pray that Your resurrection life would be reproduced in each one of us and that we'd be an ambassador to tell others in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Most important part of the service, stand up. Greet one another. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, Please hang out.